Welcome to the Soul of Islam radio podcast with Ahmed Saqamini and Emil Ihsan Alexander Tarabi. The Islamic Renaissance is here and now. May the peace, the mercy, the blessings, and the light of the divine be upon you all. My name is Ahmed and I'm a researcher in atomic molecular optical physics, a spoken word artist, and deeply committed to sharing the fundamental connection between science and spirituality with our community and beyond. Ihsan is a lifelong student of Islamic spirituality and the founder and creator of the highly acclaimed Islamic Meditation and Eternal Warrior Way programs. He is a spiritual coach, writer, and speaker committed to the evolution of consciousness within the global community. The Soul of Islam radio podcast is dedicated to sharing the deeper dimension of Islam and supporting your personal growth and spiritual development. Today's podcast is on honoring the body temple and the importance of nutrition and wellness and their connection to spirituality. In this episode, we will be interviewing an expert in the field and a dear friend of ours, Brother Dawood Scott. His background is in sociology with an emphasis on health. He is a graduate of the University of Natural Health. He is a certified holistic nutritionist focusing on nutrition, exercise, and mindfulness. He is also a certified personal trainer, a student of Islamic spirituality, a phenomenal poet, and the founder of Nature's First Path Holistic Nutrition. We are very excited to have him with us on the show. Brother Dawood, assalamu alaikum and welcome to the Soul of Islam Radio. Walaikum salam, rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Thank you so much. It's an honor to be here and to be speaking on behalf of this topic through Soul of Islam Radio. I'm extremely humbled. Pleasure to be here. Alhamdulillah. And of course, joining me to interview our special guest is my brother and friend, Ihsan. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah. Wa alaikum assalam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh, brother Ahmed. And everybody out there, assalamu alaikum. May Allah's divine light and peace and strength and guidance be with you all. A special welcome to my dear friend and brother, brother Dawood. It really is a pleasure to have you here. We've been looking forward to this topic for quite some time now. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much. A'udhu billahi minash shaytanir rajeem. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Brother Dawood, to start us off, what sparked your interest in nutrition and wellness and how were you able to bring those fields onto your spiritual path? That's an excellent question, uh, Brother Ahmed. A'udhu billahi minash shaytanir rajeem. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Allahumma salli Muhammad wa Muhammad wa sallam. I blended this into my path uh, due to certain things that I was seeing within the community, within my family, and within myself. Unfortunately, I've witnessed many ailments and maladies, you know, within my family related to nutrition. And as I grew, I knew that some of these things could be dealt with nutritionally. It didn't make sense to me some of the things that I was seeing, so I started doing my own personal research on what food does to the body, what food does to the mind. Initially, when I got involved in it, I was in college, 
So I was very idealistic and you would consider me, I guess, somewhat of an environmental activist. And you know, I was out there and I was doing the external aspect of it, which was fine. Um, but however, I knew that there was something much more deeper to this. I knew that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala creates a cure for everything. So I actually had to go back and look what the natural cures were for some of the things that were happening in our communities. So that all started uh, out in Hampton University back in the mid to late 90s. That's when I was doing most of my exploring, but it wasn't until after I graduated college, already I started feeling pains and effects of life and, you know, of everything that we were talking about. I started experiencing the pain early. So I actually had to find a way to actually heal myself coincidentally, not because I thought it was the right thing to do at the time, but because I didn't have insurance. So I didn't have the money to go see these specialists and these doctors. I was dealing with chronic uh, irritable bowel syndrome and my mood fluctuations and uh, high blood pressure. So I investigated the foods that can address that. SubhanAllah, uh, Brother Dawood, I myself have also dealt with certain physical health challenges in my path, and it almost seems as if this is now becoming part of the spiritual path, part of our spiritual development to address and to become aware of really the subtle effects our choices, our lifestyle choices have, not just on our physical health, but our spiritual health as well. It's very difficult to really be in a state of spiritual elevation when the body is diseased, when the energy level is low, when we simply don't feel good. And the more that I've come to study and learn, really we're an integrated, fused whole being, the body, the mind, the spirit, the soul, these are all connected deeply. This was a realization for me in the sense that I hadn't been taught this uh, within religious instruction, religious education, unfortunately, uh, along the path that I was on. In fact, in many ways, the body was seen almost as an enemy to spiritual development and neglecting the body at sometimes in certain ways and in fact neglecting the body seemed like a virtuous or a spiritual thing to do is this a correct approach to health and wellness to spirituality in terms of not really honoring the body temple or is this something that is necessary for spiritual development that is an excellent question brother isan unfortunately within particularly the Islamic community, in our community, the body has been presented to us, right, as purely an enemy, wherein classical Islamic healing practices, it wasn't seen that way. If you go back to the writings of Ibn Sina, of Imam al-Jawziyah, may Allah be pleased with all of them, they actually codified the things that could help the body. And let's go back even further than that to our supreme doctor in the Ummah, Sayyidina Muhammad sallallahu alayhi May Allah be pleased with him. Everything that he did, including related to health, showed us how to properly take care of it. If the body were truly an enemy, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would not have given us one. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given us hands, eyes, arms, legs for a reason. Why? What is the hikmah? What is the wisdom? It is given to us as an amanat, as a trust. Allah has given us this body, so what are we going to do with it? It is 
well known that it's, you know, highly discouraged or disliked to harm yourself. So what can we say when maybe intentionally or unintentionally that we are harming ourselves with our lifestyle choices, with the things that we eat? There's a conflict now with that, having consciousness of that. So I would say that it's not correct, the view that the body is the enemy. The body is a tool. Within the body, there are subtle energies. There are subtle things that if used in the right way can lead us to higher uh, understandings of ourself in this world and to where we're going. Ultimately, we do know that this body will perish. Yet at the same time, when you get up every day and you look in the mirror, what is looking back at you? Allah's creation, your body. And inside that is the secret. The secret is not to become attached per se with that only, but to give proper respect to it at the proper time. And I believe that it is incumbent upon us as Muslims and people of right-mindedness to do what's right at the appropriate time. While you have this body, you must maintain it. You must look after it. You must make sure that it's nourished, inshallah, Rahman. This is the way of the Prophet, of the Tabi'een, of our Shiyuk, and the people of the spiritual path. They understood this. In, in many traditions, uh, I've read this in Christian literature, Hindu literature, and as well as the Islamic literature, um, Omar al-Khattab said that one should eat less, sleep less, and talk less. And subhanAllah, the order is very profound. That there is a connection between controlling or having control over the portion of what you eat and how much you sleep and how much you speak and you present yourself in front of society, in front of the world. And we also hear that quality beats quantity. But when it comes to food, it seems that both of them are as important to seek halal food, but to also be aware and conscious of how much you eat. Muhammad said that when we do eat and drink to keep a third of our stomachs for food, a third for drink, and a third empty, to always eat when we're hungry, not to eat to fill up our stomachs like we do in this world, in this new world. What is your take on portion control and its connection to sloth or laziness? This is the heart of the matter that you just touched upon. Alhamdulillah, our Prophet wasallam indicated that portion control is key for health. What's interesting about this is that this idea goes hand in hand with holistic nutrition. There is no conflict. When you go back to the uh, writings and studies of Hippocrates and... Galen, who were Greek philosophers and uh, nutritionists and doctors at that time, they understood, as well as our prophet did, that all disease starts in the stomach. What's interesting about that now, modern science is starting to come out and identify this. Whereas holistic nutritionists and people who had that knowledge knew for many, many years, coincidentally, I don't know if people are aware that 80% of your immune system is in your stomach. It is in your gut. Many people are not aware of this. However, of course, our prophet knew of this because he was a prophet. So eating less, talking less, all these things play a part. 
Why? For one fundamental reason. When we eat too much, and especially of the things that are not right for us, it actually turns your pH system to acidic versus alkaline. When you're alkaline, that's the ideal state that you would like to try to keep your body at, is the alkalinity. However, when we're eating to the point of sloth and talking to the point of sloth, nine times out of 10, if we're on the standard diet that the majority of people are now, we are chronically acidic. Mm. So acidic food, acidic mind, acidic speech creates an acidic world. And this is the result, unfortunately. So the key is to get back to the alkaline state of not just eating, but also talking and thought process. A majority of our stress that we experience in the world these days is related to people's speech. When people get triggered by words, we're finding now that the stress that is caused in the body actually turns the pH to acidic. Whereas if you look at people who speak less, who are meditators, who are mindful and conscious at a usually calm state, they did blood tests and found them to be alkaline. So there is a science to eating, thinking, and acting. You can literally become acidic with a wrong thought or hearing a wrong word. So what about the food that we take in day in and day out? This is what holistic nutrition is, looking at the whole body. And I think moving forward, you know, not only us as Muslims, but people who are trying to reach higher states of consciousness, we must be aware of what we're putting in our bodies. We must be mindful not to eat to the point that it hurts us, that we lose ourselves. When we're constantly eating our full blood is not, you know, redirected to the brain or the other extremities, it's redirected to the stomach. When blood is constantly being redirected to the stomach, it's always processing. So that's where our tiredness and our sloth comes in. The more tired and sloth that we are, we don't have the real opportunity to do the work that matters. So if we look just a little deeper, what I'm getting from you is that there's a connection between how much you eat and how much sleep your body really needs. Uh, it feels like when we eat a lot more throughout the day, we end up uh, requiring a lot more sleep. We tend to lose energy throughout the day when we sleep more. Could you maybe say a little bit more on that? Yes, I can say something about that. The rest that we need, right, should be vital rest. And true rest is when you wake up and you feel energized. However, with the present path that many of us are on, we're not getting true rest for one major reason. Unfortunately, the majority, if not all of the food that we receive nowadays is toxic. So it's not that we're just eating our full, we're eating our full and then some, and then we're putting ourselves into a, a, a lifelike coma, literally. What we call this in holistic nutrition is what we call low-grade chronic acidosis. I recently did a piece on this. What's interesting about low-grade, excuse me, low-grade chronic acidosis, in holistic nutrition, we call this the kiss of death. And I'll tell you why. Because when someone is in a constant state of low-grade chronic acidosis, they're not necessarily fully energized to do normal things, you know, to get through the day. They have energy, but not the vital energy that you would expect to have to feel vibrant, right? To feel happy. You're alive, 
but you're not really sick. And let me explain what that means. You get up, you do the things that you have to do, but your back is hurting all the time. You have headaches. You're distracted. You easily check out. But yet you're not ill enough to go to the hospital because if you go to the doctor and be like, I'm experiencing symptoms of what, right? So you're just literally stuck in this haze, in this fog. Unfortunately, in this haze, in this fog, it's affecting your gut flora, right? Because if 80% of your immune system is in your stomach, you're destroying your immune system. One day, maybe not today, maybe not tomorrow, but one day, that low-grade low grade chronic acidosis is going to open itself up to disease. And that's where we get our diabetes, our cancer, our hypertension, our uh, fibromyalgia, the whole nine. It's through that opening that all disease comes. So our prophet, Salam, knew what he was talking about when he said, leave a third, process that. So not only do we have to get the right foods in our system, but we have to leave room so when we do rest, we're not circulating toxins through our body. At least if we're going to eat, try to have our food be as fresh as possible. So when you sleep, the vital nutrients flow through your body. And you wake up and you're ready to conquer the world. It's simple mathematics. Beautiful. SubhanAllah, it's so clear. If we look at the lifestyle, the example, the way, the teachings of the Prophet Muhammad Wasallam, he continually emphasized the importance of taking care of one's body and cultivating vitality and good health. He Wasallam, said, for example, that the stomach is the house of illness and your diet is the cure. And we can go back even further and even now to modern times where Hippocrates said, let food be thy medicine, and thy medicine be your food. The Prophet also said that any disease that has been created, Allah has also created its cure, with the exception of one, death. And when we look at that statement that Allah has created its cure, it points us back to the natural world. It's ironic that a natural approach to wellness and health, going back to natural cures, is now considered alternative medicine. Unfortunately, the modern or the contemporary approach to health and wellness is one in which we are losing responsibility, personal responsibility. We're not taking care of our own selves. If something is wrong, we tend to look for a magic pill to fix our condition without looking at what's causing that. The Islamic approach has always been looking towards root cause and addressing that and recognizing that health and wellness, vitality, is an integral part of spirituality, of spiritual development. How did we lose that sense of personal responsibility? And what would you suggest to our audience, to the listeners, to cultivate greater awareness and consciousness and the ability to take control of their health? I'll tell you exactly how we lost it and where humanity took a turn. Prior to the Industrial Revolution. It's well known. Many more people were connected, right, to the food source, to the land, to growing crops, because it was a matter of survival, quite frankly. You didn't grow your food or you didn't find someone who would grow it for you. You didn't eat. Simple as that. And be it as it may, as Post-industrial revolution, we became more busy. Um, as we became more busy, more conflict started to happen. As more conflict started to happen, people go to war. 
When people go to war, you need to do what for the, your troops? You need to feed them. So we started mass producing food on a global scale where things were predominantly fresh became predominantly canned, predominantly packaged. Thus starks, sparks the beginning of processed foods. Now, I know that, alhamdulillah, our fellow allopathic doctors and nurses, all well-intended people. I haven't met any doctor who didn't get into, who got into the field, who didn't care about their patients, more or less. However, with the post-industrial revolution and its approach to nutrition and health, over time, we as human beings gave up either consciously or subconsciously our input into our own health. I'm a child of the 70s. And I can tell you how much things have changed from then until now. I clearly remember, I have one distinct smell in my mind of my grandfather's garden in his backyard. And he would grow fresh green tomatoes. I can literally picture that smell in my mind right now as I'm sitting here with you. And I have yet to experience that anymore. The last time I actually smelt real fresh food was uh, the last time I flew out of the country and I was in North Africa and ate some of the food there and I was jolted by the taste. So to answer your question, quite frankly, many of us are just products of our environment. You know, you don't know what you don't know. Most people think it's just normal to go through life through pain, to eat bland food and to take um, drugs. Be that as it may, everything has its place. Yes, hospitals are necessary for the right thing. You know, God forbid if any of us, you know, got into anything injuring our body, we need to go to the right people to get certain things readjusted. And alhamdulillah, there's a wisdom to everything. However, when it comes to nutrition and health and healing, all of these things are preventative. The point is to not get sick in the beginning. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave us superfoods already. Why are they calling it superfood now? They're calling it superfood now because we've made it unsuper. So now you have to go buy organic food, otherwise known as food, to get that in your system again. Why are they calling it superfood and organic? Because over the years, we've done things to make it unsuper. So... An organic apple versus a GMO processed apple, one versus the other, you're looking at about a 45% to 60% difference in micronutrients. It is what it is. It's a choice we all have to make. It brings us back to the concept of priorities. Where are our priorities? I saw a documentary about a year ago and it just blew my mind and the speaker said, quite frankly, he said, we live in a nation now where we would rather spend hundreds and thousands of dollars on purses, cars, houses, planes. But when it comes to feeding ourselves and our family the most vital, the most nutritious, the most life-giving things on earth, we push it to the wayside and we suffer tremendously. Unfortunately, that is where we are. However, I believe 
inshallah, alhamdulillah, rabbi alameen, that there's an awakening going on. More and more people are standing up and they're not taking it anymore. It doesn't make sense. And it's not a given. It is not a given. I repeat, it is not a given that you should live through life in pain. That's not what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has decreed for us. If we take the responsibility to act, it's not enough for us just to say, well, inshallah, Rahman. Well, yes, inshallah, Rahman. But our Prophet also said, tie your camel. Look after yourself. Know what you're eating. Make the niyyah to rise up, inshallah. SubhanAllah, you mentioned organic foods. And in our tradition, in Islam, the only word that I could think of for organic is halal. And we are advised as Muslims to seek halal food. And in our time, this time, this society, this way of living here in, in the West, it is a challenge for many of us in the community to seek halal food. And there's also misunderstanding or misconception or maybe some confusion around what makes food halal, usually associated with the meat. From your experience as a holistic nutritionist, what would you classify? What kind of foods would you classify as halal and, and why? That's a very good question. Um, many people have considered halal just right the slaughtering process but it's actually deeper than that and now we can even talk about halal on the plant-based side if you want to really go there because since 1996 with the gmo act listen to this our food has been for the most part genetically modified to right, resist certain strains of bacterias and different bugs and things of that nature to make the food last longer, right? So on one hand, the corn and the apple looks nice and clean, but then you eat it and you get cancer. SubhanAllah, big question mark now. Now, I'm not a fixed scholar on that but it's something we really have to start thinking about because since 1996, where the GMO Act was introduced and they actually uh, actually exposed this and did a study on it. It was interesting. It was in a documentary that just came out. The rates of cancer, of diabetes, of hypertension has skyrocketed. So on one hand, you make Nia right to do halal. You make Nia to do good. Right. You and may Allah reward you for that, because, again, you don't know what you don't know. You don't know what's going on with the different hands that are doing this to our food. Corn, for example, the majority of it is genetically modified. So we go around, we take it as a vegetable, which is classified as halal in itself. It doesn't require slaughter. But then you turn around and you put it in the frying pan and you start cooking and you just start noticing that something is off. You don't, you can't put your finger on it. And you're like, well, I'm eating the right foods. I'm, you know, looking, it's clean, I'm washing it. And it's not you, it's what's inside. The micronutrients have been stripped. You're getting a, a food-like product 
literally you're getting a, a imposter genetic strained hybrid food that subhanallah deen, you don't know what's going to happen to you this alone should wake us up it should really snap us out of our uh, heedlessness everything we know is in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's hand you do your best you make your niya but now you reach a fork in the road what are you gonna do you go to the store you see a one pound or three pound bag of organic potatoes for 4.99 and then you're looking at the other standard potatoes maybe dollar 89 a pound you have a choice to make and everybody's financial situation is different so it becomes a personal judgment call but we have to know and i've been doing the research and i'm doing more on it the food is literally killing us off and it's sad what can be done there are things that can be done but now the word halal just doesn't mean the slaughter it's how it's grown where's your source whose hands have been involved in it what's inside of it if there's a poison in the food is that good for us i don't know we know but i can't make a fatwa on that because we know that to poison ourselves is highly disliked but we got to eat you know and everybody maybe doesn't have access to certain nutritious foods so we have to turn to Allah and make the niyyah to open our way that we have strong and vital life because we're literally in the fight of our life literally when we look back at islamic history specifically the age of expansion the golden age of islam we can see that the greatest scientists the greatest chemists physicists doctors pioneers in medicine were pious Muslims. They saw the study of natural phenomena in the world that Allah had created, most importantly the human body, which was the receptacle, the vehicle for the divine soul. They saw the study of that, the understanding of that, the nurturing and caring of that, the honoring of that as a religious and spiritual obligation. Historically, the Muslim community, Muslim leaders, pioneers were always on the leading edge of what is true, what is real, what is helpful, what moves the human race forward. Somewhere along the lines, we seem to have lost that and taken a back seat. How important is it for the Muslim community now to awaken to the importance of health and wellness and their role and responsibility, not in following, but in leading the way forward? You mentioned earlier about halal and what's healthy, what's unhealthy, Halal is not simply if an animal has been slaughtered completely unconsciously on a conveyor belt by saying Bismillah, Wallahu Akbar, and that cow has been tortured its entire life, lived in cramped quarters, fed unhealthy and improper food, pumped with antibiotics and hormones. How does that become halal for us? Now again, this is a fiqh issue, but isn't it time for the Muslim community to start demanding better of the world, specifically of ourselves? Should we not be leading the way forward? in terms of what is healthy, physically, mentally, and spiritually for our bodies? Bismillah, you're absolutely correct, Brother Issam. We 
and when I see we, talking about the Muslim community in particular, we are in a haze. We are stressed and we are under the microscope. I don't have to tell you what we're dealing with. We see it every day. We know what's going on with us in the world right now. You were talking about the golden age of Islam. At one point, people traveled thousands of miles to come and sit with us, to learn from us, to receive knowledge and take it back to their lands. We were always on the cutting edge of science, of philosophy, of sociology, and we were no less short of a great importance when it came to health. Ibn Sina actually wrote the canon of medicine. A Muslim who to this very day is regarded as one of the most important treaties on medicine, nutrition, and the human body. These people were on a different level and they were receiving divine inspiration. It's incumbent upon us as Muslims to tap back into this, to tap back into health and to really start going deeper and to understand what's happening to the animals. This is one of those topics that people like to avoid, but how can we avoid it when people are eating stressed out food? And let me tell you what I mean by stressed out. If an animal, as you said, is cramped, quartered, and pumped full of antibiotics and is watching his family or her family being blunted in the head. This creates a chemical reaction in the body of the animal, and then it's killed, and then it's frozen, and then nice, neat, in a little package, you take it home and you put it in the freezer for a while, and you unthaw it and you're already stressed, and then you just take on more stress that becomes a part of you. Muslims have to go deeper and to understand food is medicine. You literally are what you eat. What you eat becomes three things of your body. Either it becomes bone, blood, or phlegm. And all of those things manifest itself in different ways. Your bone is not just your bones inside your body, but that also can be seen as nails and teeth and things of that nature. Phlegm is not just the things that you cough out, but it's the other subtle parts of your brain and uh, what we like to call sinews of your muscles and things of that nature. Um, and of course, our blood is our purifying system and it keeps us going. And what I want to get into after we touch upon this is the concept of the vital life force. Everything has a spark. Everything has a hidden energy in it. Everything that you put into your body is either going to propel you towards vital life or non-vital life. We have to look and see, is what I'm eating right now going to elevate my energy, my health to take me to a higher state of consciousness? Or is this food going to make me want to fight? That alone right there will tell you if your food is halal or not. During our spiritual training, our Sheikh Zayna Sultan al-Yaman, Sheikh Nazim, may Allah bless him and grant him greater light and peace and the Divine Presence, always emphasized 
not only the importance of natural foods, but the importance of food and animals being raised with love, with presence, with consciousness, food being prepared with consciousness and with presence, with dhikrullah, with the remembrance of Allah. How important is this spiritual or energetic component in raising and then even in preparing food? He would even emphasize being in a state of wudu when you cook, to always be in wudu even when you're preparing food and to be in dhikr. So what is the importance of being in such a state of presence and awareness, consciousness, intention, dhikr, not just when raising food, but even preparing food? Alhamdulillah, this is of key importance to be in the proper state, to be with the right niyyah, to be in the right mindset when you prepare food, because vibrationally, that is what you're going to put into your body. Coincidentally, it's interesting you mentioned that uh, Maulana Sheikh Nazim, may Allah be pleased with him, was very much against the idea of Marids going to restaurants if they couldn't avoid it. For this key issue related to energy, how many times have you experienced, I can tell you on several occasions, that I've experienced being hungry, going into a restaurant and you may happen to get a you know chance to see the person who cooks their food and they appear angry. They appear frustrated. Then the one who's cooking it is angry and frustrated. And then the stressed out person comes out and picks the food. And then the whole place may be harboring energy. And then you take and put that into your body. Now, Different situations, there may come times where you might not be able to avoid it, that you are traveling with your family, you know, we get that. But it's interesting to know how vibration affects food, how energy affects food. And if people are doubting this, try eating angry and see how you feel. Nine times out of ten, you won't process the food properly. And if you do, instead of it becoming alkaline, it's going to switch to acidic anyway. Worse yet, you might be hungry and you get angry and you just lose the appetite to eat it in the first place. So that just goes to show how important eating is a spiritual thing. It's a spiritual practice. It is an art form. This food, subhanAllah, came from where? You put a seed in the ground, you put a little water on it, and... You know, a couple weeks later or a few months later, you have this divine product that grows up out of the ground and then you put it in your body and that nourishes you. I mean, if we really have to start looking at it that way, unfortunately, and it just goes back to our modern state, we see everything so easy. We just go to the store and bloop, it's ready. But there was a process involved. That broccoli head more than just a broccoli head. That is anti-cancer, anti, you know, hyperthyroid, anti-diabetic, superfood, full of vitamin K and vitamin C and calcium. SubhanAllah, there are minerals in that food, man. We have to become, to start to become aware and in love with the art of it all. When we don't see the beauty, we just take it as it is and we don't get anything out of it.
without gratitude, without mystery, without knowing what that food went through to arrive to your plate, come what may. You just eat, you get nothing, you get sick, and you lose the energy. May Allah keep us from that, inshallah. SubhanAllah. Physically and spiritually speaking, we are what we eat. And alhamdulillah for Islam, it teaches us that we as human beings, there are more than one aspect to us. And we have a physical, a mental, a spiritual aspect to our being. And as broad as Western medicine is, feel that it is very limited. They see the root and the cause of every illness, of every disease to be physical. And that's where it stops. From your experience as both a nutritionist and a student of Islamic spirituality, can you maybe shed some light on the connection between the root cause of illness and disease, that physical aspect of it, and the spiritual side of it all? How does it affect us physically and spiritually? It is a double parallel. One may notice when one is making the attempt or has the near to eat spiritually charged food, they tend to feel present with their salah or their dhikr or their dawah or anything good related to the work of Islam and spiritual growth. However, on the flip side, knowingly, and I'm saying knowingly now because there's a difference between eating food that might not be the best for you, but you have the niyyah to do good. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala you know, cover that. But now when someone is knowingly eating harmful things, what can one expect in the way of reconnecting with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? What can you expect on your suluk, on your path to Allah? What can you expect other than pain and discomfort? It's a double-edged sword. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala put the light in the natural, otherwise known as the fitra. And the poison is in the toxic. So, Allahu alam, however, one would expect proper maintenance of the temple leaves your body open up to receive the proper guidance, to receive what's coming, to receive the hidden treasures in the juma or in the dhikr or with your shaykh or in the moments of reflecting. If your body is in a poisonous state, your mind is thinking about your poisonous state. Your mind is not thinking about higher levels of consciousness because you're literally weighed down. So when you're literally weighed down, what is your mental state going to be? This is the secret. This is the key. This is what separates from just doing the fard, which is necessary. You can't discount the fard, but this is what separates doing the fard and just making it through life as opposed to receiving divine energy. The food is divine. Why? Because Allah created it. We don't know how it's working. We don't know, but you put the seed, Allah sends the rain, boom, instant energy. It's in your body. So when you're putting divine things in your body, inshallah, God willing, that leaves you open to receive divine inspirations. Spiritual health, as particularly when it comes to Islam, is not just for eating sake, because that's also 
a thing too. Some people will take that and like, oh, I'm organic and I'm this and I'm that, which is fine. But ultimately, what is the point? If the point is just to be that, that's all you're getting is just that. But if the point is to eat proper nutrition, to keep your body in a healthy state, to do Allah's work and to serve the prophet and the people who are following in the prophet's way, that's when it starts clicking. That's when you start to be able to tap into what you were here to do. It's highly harder, not saying that it can't be done, but it is much more difficult to attain that with a toxic system. And Allah knows best. When we look at the example and the teaching of the Prophet Muhammad Wasallam, it was a way and an approach to life that was filled with reverence and with love continually and for everything. The Prophet Wasallam taught and demonstrated that everything is conscious. Even a stone has consciousness. In fact, he demonstrated to the Sahaba at one point by allowing them to hear or enabling them to hear the dhikr of a stone, that even a rock is conscious and should be treated with respect and with love, to not even treat a stone with arrogance and with disrespect. Learning from that, that our food is conscious, that the plants, the food, the meat that we consume is conscious, and that we are literally absorbing consciousness. It could be high-level consciousness or low-level consciousness. It could be consciousness that is pure in its fitra or consciousness that's been compromised and corrupted. Can we literally improve and raise our consciousness and develop ourselves spiritually by eating food that can be considered highly conscious? And what would be highly conscious food? Yes, we can. We literally can raise our level of consciousness through the proper foods. Interestingly enough, some research has been done uh, on people who have had what we, I guess, what you would call spiritual epiphanies or spiritual awakenings, where they, they realize that they have a higher calling and something to do in this world. There's been a link between that and the food changes that they make in their life. And sometimes it doesn't necessarily work in that order. Sometimes people may have this spiritual epiphany and they start doing more spiritual practices. And when they start doing more of these spiritual practices, they start to realize about how they feel when they eat a certain food. And they'll notice that that food has a certain vibration that either made them feel good or bad. Usually... The food that makes them feel bad, they stay away from this as they start to become more spiritually conscious. On the flip side, it can happen the other way. There are some people who make the intention of the Nia to eat clean, good, healthy food. And then through that gateway, they start having different understandings of themselves that probably were hidden to them for many years simply because there was literally plaque in the brain literally plaque buildup in the brain from all the toxins and all the fats and the oils that we received over many, many years. You asked what are the best foods to eat in order for this to happen? In my humble opinion, I'm of the opinion, in order for that to happen, our food must be 
natural and whole as possible, as much as you can. And what I mean by natural and whole is literally that. Fresh, leafy green vegetables. Organic if you can. There will be some naysayers that say, well, organic doesn't mean anything. It's just a plea to get you to buy more expensive food. (laughs) Unfortunately, the majority of the people who are saying that are the shareholders of people who are producing GMO foods and they want you to keep eating toxic poisons. 85% vital versus 25% vital is always better. It is what it is. You have to pick. If you're going to have to pick between the 85% vital apple versus the 25%, so be it. So I'm of the opinion, the more whole, the more fresh, the more live the food is, that's where you get your micronutrients from. When you're getting your proper micronutrients, it literally is cleansing your cells. It's literally washing up all the gunk. And here's another thing to think about. It's not just the food. Now we have a water issue. Many people are not aware that your water has been fluoridated without your consciousness. So even if you don't drink tap water, you are still getting fluoridated water when you take a shower or if you go to the swimming pool or if you go to the steam room and you're inhaling fluoridated steam. You can't avoid that. But what you can do is eat fresh foods like walnuts and spinach and kale and turmeric that literally goes up into the brain and brings that gunk out. It is beyond even sometimes my understanding of the fight that we're against just to keep our body from being toxic. We are a toxic species at the moment. And Islamic holistic nutrition, which parallels to the holistic nutrition path, all disease is due to the non-ability to eliminate toxins from the body, which starts in our gut. The more toxins we retain, the more opportunity for our immune system become compromised. So it is of vital importance, if you can, to make sure your food is whole, is fresh and vital and to be eaten quickly and to be eliminated quickly. Because in the elimination is the sign that the body is working properly. That's the sign. If you're eating and you're holding on to it for two, three days, that's a sign that your liver is not functioning properly, your kidneys are not functioning properly, and your gut is not functioning properly. So that is the key to understand. Fresh, whole, live food, whatever your diet choice is. You pointed to the fact that there's this feedback loop or this almost this attraction where a human being that's eating more conscious food becomes more conscious or a person that's becoming more conscious and spiritual will naturally attract more conscious and healthy, nutritious, spiritual food. It goes back to the realization that Allah has pointed to in the Quran and the teachings of the Prophet and many spiritual teachings that our environments, our world is a reflection 
of our inner state, of our inner being. You mentioned earlier that we are literally dying or being consumed from acidosis, low-level acidosis, which I suppose leads also to inflammation. And we can look at the world that we live in. And as our bodies become more toxic, our planet is becoming more toxic. As our bodies suffer from inflammation, our planet is reacting and reflecting that, and we're suffering from global warming. A lot of times people want to address the symptoms, but it seems like the root cause for correcting our environments really is by correcting ourselves. Right? Allah will correct the environment. He says, change yourself and I will change your conditions. Could you speak to the fact that by correcting ourselves, by healing our bodies, we are in fact healing our environments? And this may even include people around us, our families, our homes, as well as on the global scale, our planet. MashaAllah. There is a, a quote out there. It's quite interesting, and I think it fits right now. It says, we don't see the world as it is. We see the world as we are. Our internal state reflects our perception of the world. When a body is chronically in a state of low-grade chronic acidosis, acidosis, you're absolutely correct, leads to inflammation. Inflammation leads to pain. All of these things are related to the fire element. We are literally setting ourselves on fire and we're turning around and taking that same energy and setting the world on fire. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has said, Verily, I will not change the conditions of a people until they change what is inside themselves spiritually and physically. I would challenge anyone to look at the present day people who are involved in perpetuating violent and harmful conflicts on the world. And I challenge anyone to show me that their body is not in an inflamed state. The goal now is to bring down the heat. We're too hot. We're too angry. And that energy is being released into the world. And that energy is affecting other people. And it's a literally a virus that is spreading. Inshallah, Rahman, when one makes the niya to bring down the heat in the body and to become cool again, balancing the hot with the cold. And this is something that the Persian doctors and the people of Afghanistan and India had very clear knowledge of the Saddam and Karni, the hot and the cold, balancing the both because when one reaches too much into that inflamed state, we become inflamed. And we're usually, that's when we're most short-tempered, we're most fatigued, we're most likely to behave badly. So again, food is medicine. We have to keep the proper foods that are going to keep our bodies in check, which are going to keep our minds in check. We're being overrun by a society that are people that are literally inflamed, literally. May Allah give us the hikmah to bring that heat down, to cool the body down, to step back for a minute. And what is cancer other than heat in the body that is just taken over? May Allah protect us from these things. 
may Allah protect us from being overly inflamed. MashaAllah, Brother Dawood. When we look at any thread, any aspect of the way of living in this world, such as nutrition and taking care of our bodies, we see that every aspect is dependent on all the other aspects. Earlier, you're mentioning that, yes, we have to seek halal food. We have to be able to identify it. And there's also awareness involved. You cannot be angry when you're preparing your food. You have to be in the right state of mind when you're consuming your food. So just looking at nutrition and its importance in our Muslim community, just that alone demands that not we don't just eat the right food, but we are responsible to take care of ourselves, to subdue ourselves, to control ourselves, to bring our minds to the right state. And it's just a beautiful example of how spirituality goes hand in hand with other fields such as nutrition. And as Muslims in this community, we have the responsibility to know, to educate ourselves, to be aware. How can we as Muslims identify what is holistic nutrition in Islam? MashaAllah, one of the best ways that we as Muslims can identify what is holistic nutrition with Islam is from one particular hadith that the Prophet related in Hakim al-Tirmidhi. And we're very familiar with this hadith, I'm sure. But now let's look at it through a holistic lens. Our Rasulullah said, take care of five before five, your youth before your old age, your health before illness, your wealth before poverty, your free time before your preoccupation, and your life before your death. You can sum up holistic nutrition in this one hadith alone, and I'll tell you how. To the first point, in your youth before your old age, we're responsible for providing our families and our children with the most healthiest food possible to build up the immunity early so when you get old you have the immunity to stay strong for all well intensive purposes some of us make the nia and we start doing the nutrition later in life which is fine and it's very helpful and productive but the sooner you get the knowledge in your youthful state you get an edge inshallah on disease with your health before your illness to know that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave you your prescription in blueberries in bananas in walnuts in avocados in seeds in turmeric in cinnamon it's all there we just have to have the eyes to see that is medicine when you're in good health early and then inshallah you'll be healthy before your illness that means inshallah you won't have to waste your money on constantly staying in the hospital so you can maintain your wealth inshallah rahman you won't go poor paying doctor's bills and when you don't have the stress of trying to pay doctor doctor's bills you can look after your free time for what for ibadallah because that's what it 
ultimately boils down to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created us to know him and to worship him. Everything else is just a part of the play. But that's the goal. So if you can manage your free time by not having to worry about doctor's bills, then inshallah, you can understand your life before you die. You can have clear mind. You can be at peace. You can know and to be in the state of Islam, otherwise known as submission, without pain, without harm, and to come to Allah in the purest state possible. This is holistic nutrition in Islam. It's food and beyond food, right? On one hand, one can say, yes, nutrition is eating. But then if you go back deep, it's a lot of that. It's everything. It's energy. It's your thoughts. It's your wealth. It's your attachments, non-attachments. It's everything that's inside of you. But everything that's inside of you is regulated on what you put in your body. Is it vital? Is it derogatory? That is the challenge that we face to get vital nutrition, just vital nutrition. Something as basic as eating an apple or a pear has now become the very thing that can cause us illness. So, you know, that's what I would say for anyone who's listening, any, you know, brother and sister from our community who's, you know, trying to pinpoint where can we find holistic nutrition in the sunnah of the prophet it's right there among many others of course you know his whole lifestyle was holistic nutrition you know but just for comprehension's sake that's a good place to start inshallah there's one more thing i wanted you to mention Dawood, before we end and that will be the importance of physical activity and exercise as it relates to the subject of health wellness and spirituality how important is physical activity in our lives today in the modern age? Physical activity is key for two main reasons. When one is exerting themselves physically, it's actually building up their immune system. Not only are you strengthening the temple, but it's actually building up your immune system. And it's also releasing endorphins in the body. Releasing endorphins in the body, you know, just don't put you into a happy state. They also help you ward off stress. What did we say earlier? Stress is connected to acidity. So keeping a proper physical regimen is just as vital to the body as healthy eating is to the body for that reason. Another key reason that physical activity is important is because besides our endocrine system, right? And, you know, our traditional waste release, we also have what are known as uh, lymph glands, okay? There is no drainage system for the lymph glands other than sweating. It is important to break a sweat when you exercise, because there are many toxins that are actually in the bone and in the skin that aren't released through normal uh, bathroom usage. So there are certain toxins that need to come out of the body through the pores. Remember, what did we say earlier? The root cause of disease is 
acidity and the improper elimination of toxins, which is the secret, which is the hikmah. That's why saunas exist. That's why heat rooms existed because they knew that toxins were forming in the body that couldn't be released through other means. So they had to come out through the forehead, through the underarms, through the pores. If you, and I challenge anyone, the next time that they have a pain, if they're able to, if they have a gym membership, I challenge anyone, the next time they're having a severe pain, when they finish their workout, if you can bear it, stay in the sauna 15 minutes and watch what's going to happen to you. Start doing that repeatedly and you're going to see your flexion better. You're going to see your heart rate improve. Inshallah, you will see more resistance to colds and diseases. Why? Because you're eliminating toxins. We literally have them in our bones and on the surface of our skin. So that is the secret. Understanding that the different parts of your body, study your body, know what you are made of. Know that you have lymph glands in your body that can't be secreted other ways. So that means you got to get moving. A sedentary lifestyle allows heat and toxicity to build up. So if we're not eating properly, we're at a disadvantage. But if we're not eating properly and not getting those toxins out, we're at a double disadvantage. So may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us the hikmah and the wisdom to be proactive in regards to preventing disease and unnecessary suffering. A lot of these things are just unnecessary. It just takes a switch in the way we see things, start thinking of food as medicine, and start thinking as society and nature in itself as the remedy. Inshallah. After a level of submission and surrendering to Allah, there comes belief. And after that, there's a level of excellence, a level of perfection that we can all strive towards. And that doesn't mean that we should strive towards perfection only with ourselves, our consciousness, our egos, with our internal dimension. But we also have a responsibility towards maintaining and taking care of, of our physical bodies. Yes, it is a vehicle, it is temporary, but we have been given this body for a reason and we are responsible. Like you said, Brother Dawood, it is an amana from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And we will be judged on everything. Everything. And subhanAllah, everything, not just the human being, but everything has a zahir and a batin, an outer and an inner, a seen and an unseen. And especially when it comes to the food that we eat and the choices that we make. So may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala inspire us to make the right choices. Now, Brother Dawood, do you have any recommendations or any advice that you can give to our listeners all over the world when it comes to nutrition, wellness, taking care of themselves physically and, and both spiritually as well? Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. I guess I would say the main thing, if there's anything that I want to convey, is... For everyone to understand that you get in 
or I should say, you get out what you put in. Let us not be afraid of the terms alternative, holistic, and natural. And with all due respect, much love to our traditional allopathic doctors and nurses and you know people within that field. With all due respect, we have to understand that modern medicine as we know it is less than a hundred years old. It's not even it, it's it's fairly recent. So we have to think what were people doing before? Alternative, holistic and natural is connected to our fitra, is connected to our natural state. Holistic nutrition and naturopathy for that matter seeks to eliminate the cause of disease, not to eliminate the symptoms. Because if you just address the symptoms, you still have a cause. May we be free from disease, inshallah, Rahman. And just for everybody, just to go deeper, just to know that everything is energy. It's all around you. And what you put inside you is going to become who you are. And that's just the fact of it all. And I would just end it with this. There are two, there are actually 16 laws uh, of holistic nutrition. And there are two particular laws that I would just like to mention. And I think it relates to everything that you're doing. There's two particular laws in holistic nutrition. One of them is called the law of action. And this law says when an action occurs in the living organism, it must be attributed to a living thing. In other words, what you are putting inside you is alive. It is alive. And then there's one more law that I think that fits perfectly. It's called the law of power. Vital power comes from within. As you said, there is the seen and the unseen. The vital power of the food isn't looking at the food, but when it comes inside you and it manifests, that's the secret. That's the miracle. That's the the seer that comes out in the person, vital power comes from within. And to this day, the scientists and the great thinkers don't know where that comes from. It's an unseen spark in the human. That is the vital life force. To know that whatever you eat is either lighting that vital life force or it's dampening that vital life force. The energy comes from within inside you by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's mercy. The secret is in the spark in the food. It's not in the color. It's not in the, the price. The secret is on the inside. Because if it was just on the outside, we would get full just by looking at it. But we have to put it on the inside. And that's where the miracle happens. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us health and a deeper understanding of what's going on with our foods that we eat. And may everything that we eat be a rahmah to us and not a punishment, inshallah. Rahman. May Allah forgive me if I 
said anything. I know that there were many more qualified people to speak on this, but alhamdulillah, you have me here, so I'm at your service. And may, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us long life and good nutrition to serve and not just to be healthy for healthy sake. Inshallah. MashaAllah, Brother Dawood, it's been a pleasure to have you here with us. I want to thank you again. Inshallah, may Allah support your work. I'd like to invite you now to lead us in a dua, in a supplication, in a prayer for ourselves and for all of our listeners. A'udhu billahi minash shaitan ar-rajim. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Allahumma salli ala Muhammad wa Muhammad wa sallim. Ya Allah, without you, we can't stand. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we're thanking you for everything that you've given us. The food, the earth, the land, the air. Oh Allah, you have said that you haven't created any disease without its cure. Oh Allah, let us become conscious of everything around us. Let us please become conscious of the foods that we eat. Oh Allah, we're asking if there's any people that are suffering, alleviate their pain, O Allah. If there's any darkness hovering over anyone, alleviate the darkness and put in light. O Allah, let us be conscious of the spark, the kudra, the power, the himmet, the vital life force that resides inside you. O Allah, you put it inside, hidden. We're not understanding how these things are working in us, but they are working. Oh Allah, for that alone, we can't praise you enough. Oh Allah, we're asking you to revive the traditional Islamic sciences all over the world. Well, let us come back to the natural path. Let us come back to the natural way and to become enlightened again that we may be the torchbearers of health and vitality as it was meant to be through the example of your beloved Sayyidina Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam and as inheritors Allah let us be close to them and we're asking special dua for brother Isan and brother Ahmed for Soul of Islam Radio may Allah bless this work and let it continue and let this be heard from California to Kalamazoo from Kalamazoo to Mecca, Mukaramah, to Medina, to China, to Alaska, to South America. Ya Allah, bless this work and give us the ability to bear and to stand and be strong. Fatiha. MashaAllah, this was a fruitful episode. Alhamdulillah wa shukrullah for his knowledge and his inspiration. Brother Dawood, we are extremely happy to have had you on this uh, show, Soul Islam Radio. We thank you, and inshallah, we would like to have you on Soul of Islam Radio in the near future. Thank you so much. It was my pleasure. I am at your service, and I am at the service of the entire Ummah. Please feel free to have me back anytime. I'm just a phone call away. Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi This brings us to the end of this episode. Alhamdulillah wa shukrulillah. 
Special thanks to all of the listeners from all over the world. Thank you for tuning in and for supporting Soul of Islam Radio. We have learned a lot today, and what we have learned is that nutrition and wellness are very important in our personal development, our spiritual growth, and the learning doesn't stop here. If you want to learn more about these fields and about their importance and how you can apply these into your life, we here at Soul of Islam Radio highly recommend that you visit Brother Dawood Scott's website, naturesfirstpath.com. That's N-A-T-U-R-E-S-F-I-R-S-T-P-A-T-H dot com. To continue supporting the Soul of Islam radio, please do the following. Like our page on facebook.com forward slash soul of Islam radio. Make sure to subscribe to our podcast. Please give us a review and a rating. And also, recommend to your family and friends. If you haven't seen our updated website, please visit soulofislamradio.com. There you'll find a free multimedia course to help you rediscover the spiritual dimension of Islam. You'll also find subscription links to services such as iTunes, Stitcher, and TuneIn and links to our personal blogs and social media profiles. Also on our website, you will find a form for you, the listeners, to send in any suggestions or feedback that you may have for future episodes. And also on our website, uh, you can find a link where you can make a donation to support Soul of Islam Radio. And with that, may the peace, the mercy, the blessings, and the light of the divine be upon you all. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.